May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Today's gospel text is one of my favorite Bible stories. When I worked at the Youth Challenge Academy, I had the privilege of preaching this three times a year. Once would be out of the pulpit at church, and once for each of the two classes. Because if a pastor that was leading the service that day didn't show up, I could jump in and quick take care of the service and preach that day. So this was my go-to because it had such words of hope and acceptance for those kids. This text is filled with details and richness and subtopics. However, we miss a really big point if we follow the lectionary's choice of verses. We really need to go back and start at verse 4, one verse earlier, which is, now he, that is Jesus, had to go through Samaria. No Jew had to go through Samaria. No self-respecting Jew would go through Samaria. Jesus is on his way from Judea, down here on the bottom of Israel, north to Galilee. And Samaria is in between. However, the Jews so hated the Samaritans that they would add days to their walking journey to walk around the region of Samaria instead of to go through it. Now, the Samaritans traced their origin back to the ancient kingdom of Israel. But they were Jews who had intermarried with the Assyrian conquerors around 722 BC. And also when they were, as the conquered race, not allowed to worship in Jerusalem, they set up a worship site and temple where they lived. Therefore, the Judeans considered the Samaritans to be unclean and corrupted because they worshiped somewhere other than Jerusalem. So they had perverted the race and the religion. Yet verse 4 says Jesus had to go through Samaria. The word used here is day, which is often used of God's plan or will. So this was something Jesus must do as part of God's plan of salvation. So we have Jesus and his disciples heading north to Galilee. They would have probably started out at dawn, and we're told that now it's the sixth hour, which is about noon. This is the desert. The sun is high, the travelers are hot, dry, hungry, and ready for a break. And Jesus stops by the famous well of Jacob while his disciples go into the local town to find something to eat. Now, mind you, that in itself would have been painful for these disciples because they're going to have to interact with Samaritans to purchase and then consume Samaritan food. While Jesus is sitting at the well, a woman comes from the town to draw water. Now think about this. No one living in a desert region makes the daily or twice daily trip to the well in the heat of the day. These jugs are like this high that they're carrying back. They're clay, they're heavy when they're empty. You don't do this in the heat of the day. 
They go at dawn and right before evening falls in the cool of the day. And the townswomen went to the well together for safety, as well as the fact that this was their local Starbucks. They came for something to drink, and once there, they would linger for a bit to socialize, catch up on the news, and maybe collect some town gossip. The only reason this woman would go to the well alone in the heat of the day was if she was the object of the local gossip, if she wanted or needed to avoid other people. And as she approaches the well with her large water jug, she sees someone sitting at the well. Now, so much for trying to avoid dealing with other people, and worse, it was a man. And doubly worse, it looks like it's a Jewish man. Will he even allow her access to the well? What will he demand for payment for that access? But she has no choice. She needs water. She braces herself to face the abuse that's waiting for her. Now when Jesus sees her, he asks her to draw a drink for him. And she sees he has no cup, no pail, no way to get the water out of the well. And yet, is he actually asking her for water? Conventional wisdom of the day said, a man shall not talk with a woman in the street, not even with his own wife, on account of what others may say. He that talks much with womankind brings evil upon himself. And as this woman pointed out, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. A Jew does not talk to a Samaritan. A Jew would not drink out of a Samaritan cup since they considered all Samaritans unclean and anything they touched would be unclean. Jesus starts talking in riddles. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Right, mister. You asked me for a drink of water and now you say you have water, living water. This is Jacob's well. Are you saying you have something better than the water from this well, from our great ancestor Jacob, a well that has been providing water for centuries? Fine, give me some of this wonderful water so that I don't have to keep coming out to this well. Jesus tells her to go get her husband. Uh-oh. I have no husband. Jesus replies, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now live with is not your husband. From that two-sentence reply from Jesus, pastors for 2,000 years have labeled this woman as the town slut. Easy, a loose woman, sexually immoral, Sleazy. Saturday night special. The text does not say that. She
She may have had a husband die of a fever at a young age, or maybe from one of the many famines. Perhaps one of her husbands was robbed, beaten, and left for dead along the side of the road with no good Samaritan to stop and help him in time. She has no money, no property, no social standing. Where can she find a home? Who will take in a twice or thrice widowed woman except someone willing to use her for a time and then discard her like a dirty tissue? Perhaps she once burned an evening meal. That was cause for a man to divorce his wife. A husband or two may have divorced her because she was barren. Perhaps she was trapped in the custom of leveret marriage. Remember the story of the woman whose husband died without an heir, so the brother was expected to marry her, and when he died, the next brother was obligated, and so on? Well, perhaps the last male in the family line refused to marry her. They were allowed to do that. We can be so quick to judge. And so she travels to the well every day in the heat of the day when there will be no one there to ridicule, gossip, ostracize, or worse. The woman quickly changes the topic and she and Jesus launch into a theological discussion. Now for a rabbi to argue and dialogue with others was a sign of respect which Jesus is offering to this woman. So we've seen Jesus cross gender, ritual purity, social economic, religious, and moral boundaries all in one social encounter. That's why he had to go to Samaria. Now at the end of their conversation about the coming Messiah, Jesus makes the first self-revelation of this entire gospel. In verse 26, he tells this woman, this Samaritan, that he is the Messiah. She's the first one to know that. Other than Andrew telling his brother Simon Peter and Philip telling his buddy Nathaniel, this woman is the first character in John's Gospel to seek out others to tell them about Jesus. She goes to the townspeople who wanted nothing to do with her, and in a public place where no decent woman would be present without a supervising male, and where no decent woman would speak out, she goes there and she shares the good news of the Messiah's coming in such a way that most of the village believes her and comes out to the well to meet this Messiah. She is a true disciple of Christ Jesus. She is also the first preacher and evangelist mentioned in John's Gospel if you happen to have a problem with female preachers. A Mercedes-Benz TV commercial shows one of their cars colliding with a concrete wall during a safety test. 
Someone then asked a Mercedes engineer why their company does not enforce their patent on their car's energy-absorbing car body. The Mercedes design has been copied by almost every other car maker in the world in spite of the fact that they have an exclusive patent. The engineer replies in a clipped German accent, because in life, some things are just too important not to share. Some things are just too important not to share. What a great statement. As Christians, we believe that the good news of Jesus Christ is one of those things that is just too important not to share. In fact, we believe that Jesus Christ must be shared with our friends, our neighbors, with the world. So who did you tell about Jesus this past week? A slow week? Who did you share Jesus with the week before? I know the answer because it's the same for most of us mainline Christians. Too many of us do not need Jesus. We see Jesus as our get-in-free pass, our move-to-the-front-of-the-line special ticket, our get-out-of-jail card, our help in times of trial, our bridge over troubled waters, because we do not need Jesus. Because we view ourselves as not that bad. We lack compassion. We lack passion in our faith. We need to admit, not just recite, but believe and admit that we are sinful. We are unworthy to receive anything from God. We do not need a friend in Jesus. We need a life raft, a fire extinguisher, a parachute, a lifeline. We need a pardon from our death sentence. And so God sent his son Jesus, not to condemn us, but to save us. That is love. A love that all people need. So go to your Starbucks. Go to your art class. Go to work. Go to your Zumba class. Go to your bridge club. Go to Bunko. Go to your hiking club. Go to your quilting group. Just go and share this life-saving news. Amen.